It's your radio, the future of radio. Welcome to Cinema Caroline, a cinema of the mind. To best enjoy the show, find a quiet, comfy spot and plug in your headphones. Adjust the sound so you can hear clearly and without strain. Now, let the sounds project a movie on the inside of your mind. Enjoy. Welcome to Cinema Carol Line, Cinema of the Mind and Inner Eye. Listen. Sit comfortably with your eyes closed. Use headphones to isolate your mind from distractions. Listen closely. Let the words and sounds create cinema in your mind's eye. Today we are going to listen to The Maltese Falcon, as radio broadcast in 1946. Featured are Humphrey Bogart, Mary Astor, and Sidney Greenstreet. They play the same roles they did in the 1941 Academy Award-winning movie. The Maltese Falcon is based upon a novel by Dashiell Hammett. He wrote it toward the end of the Roaring Twenties. The 1920s, that is. It was right around the stock market crash of 1929 which sent the economy into the Depression. We can get an idea of the times by the cost of groceries in the 1920s. For example, a one-pound loaf of bread cost around 10 cents, and a pound of butter cost around 55 cents. These prices sound comfortably low until you find out that the average annual income was less than $2,000 per year. The Maltese Falcon was created by Dashiell Hammett just as the 1920s crashed. The book was crafted into several films. The most popular, third, version of the movie was released in 1941. This is the classic film noir in black and white. The radio play we are going to hear is an abridged version of the movie. Humphrey Bogart plays Sam Spade, a hard-boiled private detective. Mary Astor plays Bridget O'Shaughnessy, an opportunistic woman who wrenches Spade's heart. And Sidney Greenstreet reprises his role as Casper Gutman, the man who has been chasing the Maltese Falcon for some decades. This is a rebroadcast of an episode of a radio show called Academy Award. They chose plays featuring Academy Award nominees or recipients. This play was broadcast in July of 1946. We have left the original advertising and announcements in place. We will break about halfway through the radio play the same as the original broadcasters. The play is about 40 minutes long. Stay tuned after the radio play for some more Maltese Falcon lore. And now our feature presentation, The Maltese Falcon. The House of Squibb presents Academy Awards. Every week, Squibb brings you Hollywood's finest. The great picture plays, the great actors and actresses. Techniques and skills chosen from the honor roll of those who have won or been nominated for the famous Golden Oscar of the Academy of Motion Picture Arts and Sciences. And now, E.R. Squibb and Sons, manufacturing chemist to the medical profession since 1858, bring you the distinguished star, Mr. Humphrey Bogart, who as Best Actor of the Year was nominated for the 1943 Academy Award. 
You will also hear Miss Mary Astor, who won the 1941 Academy Award as Best Supporting Actress of the Year, and Sidney Greenstreet, who was nominated for the 1941 Academy Award as Best Supporting Actor. Tonight, Mr. Bogart, Miss Astor, and Mr. Greenstreet will play the famous roles they created for the screen in The Maltese Falcon, the thrilling mystery which was nominated as Best Production of the Year for the 1941 Academy Award. My name is Spade, Sam Spade. License number 357896, issued by the police department of San Francisco. Occupation, private detective, sometimes known as private eye. My files in the case of the Maltese Falcon are closed, but I've got the Maltese Falcon. I got it, and some dough. My partner got murdered, and a very slick chick went up for life. I'll tell you about it. The slick dame comes to see me one day, gives me a song and dance about her sister and a guy called Floyd Thursby. She wants us to get her sister back before her mother and father get in from Hawaii. I put my partner, Miles Archer, on the case. That night, he gets murdered. And so does this guy, Thursby. I go around to the apartment where the dame is living, the one called Bridget O'Shaughnessy. <laughs> she had something I seemed to go for. Oh, uh, Mr. Spade. Come in. I have come in. <laughs> oh, yes, so you have. Mr. Spade, tell me, am I to blame for last night? Well, you warned us that Thursby was dangerous. Of course, you lied to us about your sister and all that, but that doesn't count. We didn't believe you. Oh, help me, Mr. Spade. I, I need help so badly. I've no right to ask you, but I do ask you. Help me. <laughs> you won't need much of anybody's help. You're good. You're awful good. It's chiefly your eyes, I think, and that throb you get into your voice when you say things like, help me, Mr. Spade. I deserve that. But, oh, the lie was in the way I said it, and not at all in what I said. If I'm going to help you, I've got to have some sort of a line on your Floyd Thursby. I met him in the Orient. We came here from Hong Kong last week. Did he kill Archer? Yes, certainly. Picked a nice sort of playmate. Only that sort could have helped me if, if he had been loyal. How bad a hole are you actually in? As bad as could be. Physical danger? Well, I'm not heroic. I don't think there's anything worse than death. Then it's that. It's that as surely as we're sitting here. Unless you help me. Who killed Thursby? Your enemies or his? I don't know. Uh, his, I suppose. I I'm afraid. I, I don't know. Who are these enemies? Well, there's a small, dark man with white teeth and a... Smooth, dangerous, fat man. Oh, this is hopeless. Well, how much money have you got? I have about $500 left. Give it to me. There's only 400 here. I had to keep some to live on. Okay. I'll be back as soon as I can. You needn't come to the door with me. I can let myself out. <laughs> I went by the office then and found a dark little guy with very white teeth waiting for me. His name was Joel Cairo. He was a Greek. Mr. Spade, I'm trying to recover an, 
an ornament that has been, shall we say, mislaid, I thought and hoped you could assist me. Uh-huh. The ornament is a statuette, the black figure of a bird. I'm prepared to pay the sum of $5,000 for its recovery, and no questions asked. 5000 is a lot of money. It's a very interesting figure. You will it... put your hands together at the back of your neck, Mr. Spade. Huh? Oh, sure. I shall shoot you if you try to stop me, Mr. Spade. But I must search your office. Well, you won't find anything but a pair of worn-out rubbers, a half pint of rum, and a pack of chewing gum. We shall see. Please stand up. So. Sure. This way? No, the other way. Sure. I'll take the gun, Mr. Cairo. Now get up. I am very slow in things like that, unfortunately. Yeah. I'm still prepared to pay $5,000 for the return of the figure. Do you have it, Mr. Spade? No. If it is not here, why did you just risk serious injury to prevent my searching for it? Well, I should sit around and let people come in and stick me up. You wish some assurance of my sincerity? A retainer? I might. Say, $100? Oh, you better make it 200 Thanks. Your first guess was that I had the bird. What's your second guess? That you know where it is or where you can get it. Now, you're not hiring me to murder or do burglary, but to get back the figure in some lawful way. Say, from a dame with red hair or a smooth, dangerous fat man. Oh, so you know. You must beware of them. They would stop at nothing. May, may I have my pistol now? <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, sure. I'd forgotten it. Thank you. Now, Mr. Spade, you will kindly clasp your hands behind your neck. What the... Don't move, Mr. Spade. <laughs> this time I might shoot. I insist on searching your office. <laughs> sure. Go ahead. I finally got rid of the Greek and started back for Bridget O'Shaughnessy's apartment. Matter of fact, I had a hunch that the Greek was going there himself and started to tail his cab when a sad-faced guy poked something into my back and said... Come on. The fat man wants to see you. Here he is, Mr. Gutman. The guy who was talking to the dame in the Greek. Oh, Mr. Spade. Mr. Gutman? We begin well, sir. I distrust a man who talks too much. I like to talk. Of course, talking something you can't do judiciously unless you keep in practice. Yeah. Now, sir, we'll talk, if you like. And I'll tell you right out that I'm a man who likes talking to a man who likes to talk. Swell. Will we talk about the blackbird? You're the man for me, sir. No beating about the bush, right to the point. Let us talk about the blackbird by all means. Mr. Spade, have you any conception of how much money can be got for that blackbird? No. Well, sir, if I told you. If I told you half, you'd call me a liar. No, no, not even if I thought so. But you just tell me what it is, and I'll figure out the profits. You mean you don't know what that bird is? Well, I know what it's supposed to look like. I know the value in human life you people put on it. Mr. O'Shaughnessy didn't tell you what it is? And Cairo didn't either? He offered me 10000 for it. 10000 <laughs> And dollars, mind you, not even pounds. They must know what it is. Or do they? What is your impression? I can't tell. They're both lying. If they don't know, 
I'm the only one in the whole wide, sweet world who does. Swell. When you've told me, that'll make two of us. Mathematically correct, sir. But I don't know for certain that I'm going to tell you. Oh, don't be foolish. You know what it is, I know where it is. That's why I'm here. Well, sir, where is it? <laughs> don't be silly. You see, I must tell you what I know, but you will not tell me what you know. That is hardly equitable, sir. No, no. I don't think we can do business along those lights. Yeah, well, think, think again and think fast. I can get along without you and keep that gunsel, gunsel away from me while you're making up your mind. I'll kill him. Well, sir, I must say you the most violent temper. Well, what are you wasting time for? You've got till 5.30. Then you're either in or out for keeps. <laughs> Three characters and a black bird. Well, all I knew was my partner was dead and the cops were getting very uncooperative about the whole thing, including who killed Floyd Thursby. I thought I'd better get back to see that O'Shaughnessy dame before it was too late. And sure enough, it almost was. They came here and took him away. Took who away? Who? The police. They, they wanted to talk to you, too. They took Mr. Cairo with them. What was he doing here? He came to talk about the bird. What is this bird, this falcon that everybody's all steamed up about? Suppose I wouldn't tell you anything at all about it. What would you do? Something wild and unpredictable? Maybe. Well, it's a black figure, as you know. Smooth and shiny of a bird. A hawk or falcon about 12 inches high. Now, what makes it so important? I don't know. They wouldn't tell me. But they promised me 500 pounds if I helped them get it from the man who had it. Go ahead. They promised me 500 pounds to help them, and I did. Then we found that Joel Cairo was going to take the falcon and desert Floyd and me. So we did that to Joel first. You are a liar. I am a liar. I've always been a liar. Well, don't brag about it. Is there any truth at all in that yarn? Some... Not very much. Well, we've got plenty of time. I'll put some coffee on and we'll try again. Oh, I'm so tired. So tired of lying and thinking up lies and not knowing what is a lie and what is the truth. Oh, darling, don't stare at me like that. Come closer, darling. It is something to do while waiting. <laughs> Why not? Kiss me, Sam Spade. Kiss me. Why not? Well, it happens every time. I'll get it. Be careful, darling. Okay. Come on, you. He wants to see you. Well, if it isn't the fat man's killer. Hello, pale face. How many did you bump off today? Shut up. Cupman's waiting for no you. No kidding. What kept you? Darling, what does he want? He wants me. The fat man's been thinking things over. <laughs> Spade, I must apologize for sending for you in this fashion. Now, never mind. Let's talk about the bird. All right, let's. What do you think of the order of the Hospital of St. John of Jerusalem? Crusaders or something, weren't they? Very good. In 1539, these crusading knights persuaded Emperor Charles V to give them the island of Malta. He made but one condition. They were to pay him each year for the tribute of a falcon in acknowledgement that the Malta was still under Spain. Do you follow me? Yeah. Have you any conception of the extreme, immeasurable wealth of the order of that time? Well, I imagine they were pretty well fixed. They were rolling in wealth, sir. 
They hit upon the happy thought of sending the emperor for the first year's tribute, not an insignificant live bird, but a glorious golden falcon encrusted from head to foot with the finest jewels in their coffer. Allow me to replenish your drink, sir. Well, what do you think of these knights? I don't know. Well, sir, the glorious four can never reach Spain. Buccaneers raided the galleon. In 1713, the bird showed up in Sicily. In 1840, in Paris. And it had by that time acquired a coat of black enamel, looking like nothing but a fairly interesting black statue. In 1923, a Greek dealer found it in an obscure parish shop. He knew what it was. I heard about it in London and rushed over to buy it. But the Greek was murdered and the falcon gone. That was 23 years ago. For 23 years, I searched for the bird. I traced it to the home of a Russian general, Kamedov, but he wouldn't sell, even though he knew nothing of its value. I was forced to send my agents after it. They got it, sir, but I haven't got it. But I'm going to get it, sir. Um, how soon can you... Uh, how soon are you willing to produce the falcon? Uh, a couple of days. That is satisfactory. Well, sir, here's a fair bargain and profits large enough for both of us. Well, uh, what's your idea of a fair bargain? Shall I say 100,000? Why not? What did you say to a quarter of a million? Well, then you think the dingus is worth a million, no? Why not? Yeah. Why not? Say, I... I feel kind of funny, Gutman. That drink. My dear man, how could you suggest anything so cruel? I... I... Uh... <coughs> Wilma, Wilma. Yeah. The drink got him, huh? Put your guns away, Wilma. You must learn to be subtle in these things, like me. Hot like a light, huh? Well, I owe him something to louse. He thinks he's tough. Let's see if he can take this. That's enough, Wilma. You've kicked him enough. It'd never do to kill him here. Besides, Wilma, you know how I hate the sight of blood. moment, you will hear the second part of Academy Award. You yourself uncover jewels more precious than the rarest gems every time you smile. Your teeth are priceless. Preserve their natural brilliance with creamy, smooth, squib dental cream. For the polishing agent in this quality dentifrice is one of the safest, softest, yet most effective known to dental science. That's why you can actually see the refreshing difference when you brush your teeth with Squib Dental Cream. And you can taste and feel the refreshing difference, too. That's because the delightful flavor of Squib Dental Cream is cool and inviting as a shady bed of mint. Because the refreshing action of Squib Dental Cream leaves your teeth and gums feeling gloriously clean. So, for a brighter smile and a happier mouth, try Squib Dental Cream, one of the great family of Squib products. Taste, feel, and see the refreshing difference. Use Squib Dental Cream.
moment, you will hear part two of the Maltese Falcon. But first, we want to thank Warner Brothers for making this story available. And one thing more, on August 6th, Warner Brothers will celebrate the 20th anniversary of Sound Pictures. Yes, it has been that long since the silent shadows of the screen found a voice. We congratulate Warner Brothers on this historic anniversary. Wouldn't you like to do something cool and exciting? Whether you're a veteran show host, or someone who's never hit the airwaves, we, want, you. Join the family at It's Your Radio today. Visit the website at www.itsyourradio.com. All it takes is a computer with the internet and some software. Voice calls are powered by Skype. Create your dream show. Be the host you want to be. We are here to support you. The best part of It's Your Radio is 100% the people. They back you 100%. Get a free website and blog for as long as you're on the air. You're able to use a subdomain on your choice of itsyourradio.com or iyr.me. If you want to bring your own domain along, that's an option too. Every site is a beautiful creation from our in-house designers, the same team from Clearly Logic. From a server standpoint, we use the best servers powered by Affordacast. We're a huge family, really. So, you get to host a show, you get a blog, and you get to be part of a family. It's your radio, as you covered from broadcast to podcast. What more could you want? Join the family today. Do something amazing with us. It's your radio. The future of radio. Sweet and sassy with Angel Life. 5 p.m. Eastern on Mondays and Tuesdays. The Royal Ramble. 5 p.m. Eastern on Wednesdays and Fridays. The Hits with you, Andrew. Every Friday night. 8 p.m. Eastern. It's your radio. The future of radio. www.edsierradio.com And now the House of Squib presents part two of Academy Awards, starring Humphrey Bogart in The Maltese Falcon, with Mary Astor and Sidney Greenstreet. I guess the name of Sam Spade was a cinch for the back page obituaries, but I came out of it somehow and managed to get up and stagger out of that apartment. I went around to the hotel where Joel Cairo had a room and made a deal with a house dick to let me search it. All I could find was a newspaper in the wastebasket folded back to the steamship news. There was a list of arrivals, and one was marked. It said, 8, 7 a.m., the La Paloma from Hong Kong. That was good enough for me. I got a cab and rode down to the docks. The La Paloma was on fire and burning beautifully. I went back to my office to hold my aching head and think things over when the door opened. The 
tall guy in a long black overcoat stood there with a package in his hands, making gurgling noises before he fell like a tree. He should have. He was dead. I took a good look at him. He was the mate off the La Paloma. I unwrapped his package and there it was. A black bird. A Maltese falcon. I grabbed the phone and listened. It was British, Bridget O'Shaughnessy and she said she was in trouble. I found her shivering in the dark corner of an office building. I took her and the falcon home to my apartment. I put her on the couch. I put the falcon in the icebox where no one would think to look for anything, including ice. I came back in and switched on the lights and found a surprise party waiting to greet me. Well, sir, we're all here. Now let's sit down and be comfortable and talk. Sure. Get away from me, Gunchel. You're not going to frisk me. Stand still. Shut up. Put your paw on me and I'm going to make you use that gun. Ask your boss if he wants me shut up before we talk. Never mind, Wilma. You're certainly a most headstrong individual, Mr. Spade. Well, let's be seated. You too, Cairo. You can put down your gun, too. Of course, Mr. Spade. I was only using caution, as it were. You ready, Gutman? Are you ready to make the first payment and take the falcon off my hands? Well, sir, as to that, here are $10,000, sir. Oh, we were talking about more money than this. Yes, sir, we were. <laughs> but this is genuine coin of the realm, sir. With a dollar of this, you can buy $10 of talk. Besides, there are more of it that be taken care of now. Well, that may be, but I've got the falcon. I should not think it would be necessary to remind you, Mr. Spade, that though you may have the falcon, yet we certainly have you. Yes, I'm trying not to let that worry me. We'll come to the money later. There's another thing to be taken care of first. We've got to have a fall guy. The police have to have a victim. Somebody they can stick for those three murders. Two only two murders, Mr. Spade. Thursby undoubtedly killed your partner. All right, two. What difference does it make? The point is, we've got to give the police... Come, come, Mr. Spade. You can't expect us to believe at this late date. You are the least afraid of the police, or that you're not able to hang... I'm up to my neck, Gutman. I've got to come through with somebody, a victim, when the time comes. If I don't, I'll be it. Let's give him the gun, so he actually did shoot Thursby, and the other one, didn't he? Anyway, he's made to order for the part. Let's turn him over to the cops. Get up on your feet. I've taken all the riding from you I'm going to take. Get up. Shoot it out. No, no, Wilma, don't shoot. There. There, Gunsel, that'll take care of you. Put him on the sofa. Sorry, Bridget, but you seem to have recovered. I'm... I'm all right. Good. Well, gentlemen, there's our fall guy. And now, gentlemen, you agree or I'll turn the falcon and the whole lot of you in. Mr. Spade, I don't like this. What if we uh, took matters into our own hands and killed you? You won't, or you'll never find the falcon. True, but there are other ways we could make you talk. No, I'd take it and make you kill me, and then you'd end up the same way. <laughs> oh, I believe you would, too. <laughs> well? I've always felt toward Wilma like a father. But you can have him. Well, let's get the details fixed. Why did he shoot Thursby? Thursby was Miss O'Shaughnessy's ally. We thought in disposing of him, we would teach Miss O'Shaughnessy to patch up her differences with us regarding the falcon. And the mate from the La Paloma. That was Miss O'Shaughnessy's fault. 
Cairo got in touch with me when he saw the notice of the ship's arrival. He remembered that the mate and Miss O'Shaughnessy had been friendly in Hong Kong. He called on this man, but he, with Miss O'Shaughnessy and the bird, slipped through our fingers. We followed them to her apartment, and Wilma shot the mate as he was coming down the fire escape. He shot him many times, but the man was tough, and he did not drop the falcon. We um, persuaded Miss O'Shaughnessy to call your office. But unfortunately, she did not call in time to prevent you from meeting the mate and getting the falcon. I see. And now, sir, uh, would it uh, be presumptuous if we asked to see the falcon? Okay. It's in my icebox. Icebox, I see. <laughs> you are a character, sir. Yes, very, very clever of you. Very. I've got it. I've got it. Bring it in here at once. Here. Wrapped in this. Now, after 23 years, it is it. We'll make sure. Let me your knife, sir. Here. I'll peel off some of this disfiguring enamel. It, it's a fake. All right, O'Shaughnessy, you've had your little joke. Now tell us about no, it. No, Sam, no, that's the one I got from the Russian, I swear. You bungled it, Gutman. You and your stupid attempt to buy it. The Russian caught on how valuable it was. No wonder we had so little trouble stealing it. You imbecile. You bloated idiot. Yes. This is the Russian's hand. There's no doubt of it. Well, sir, what do you suggest? Shall we stand here and shed tears and call each other names? Or shall we go to Istanbul and to interview our Russian friend? Go to Istanbul? For 23 years, I have wanted that little item and have been trying to get it. If I must spend another year on the quest, well, that will be an added expenditure in time only. I go with you. Wilma's gone. Wilma's gone. So he has. That makes it imperative that we go, too. Oh, by the way, sir, I'll trouble you for my envelope containing the $10,000. I kept my end of the bargain, but... I'll settle for a thousand for expenses. Thank you. I'll allow you the thousand. That'll take care of my time. Now, sir, we'll say goodbye to you unless you care to undertake the Istanbul expedition with us. You don't? That's too bad. Well, sir, the shortest farewells are best. Adieu. And to you, Miss O'Shaughnessy, I leave the rare avis there on the table as a little memento. The Maltese falcon. <laughs> O'Shaughnessy talk. Where shall I begin? You came to me and asked me to have Thursby followed. I put my partner on it. He followed Thursby. He was killed. You must have told Thursby he was being followed. I told him, yes, but please believe me, Sam. I wouldn't have told him if I'd thought Floyd Thursby would kill your partner. Miles hadn't many brains, but he had too many years' experience as a detective to be caught like that by a man he was shadowing up a blind alley with his gun tucked away in his hip and his overcoat buttoned. But it'd have gone up there with you, Angel. He was just dumb enough for that. And then you could have stood as close to him in the dark as you liked and put a bullet through him. Don't, don't talk like that to me, Sam. You know I didn't Stop know... It. Why did you shoot him? I, I didn't mean to at first. I, I can't look at you and tell you this, You fact. thought Thursby would tackle him. If he got Thursby, then you were rid of him. If Thursby won, you had something on him. Enough to be rid of him for good. Wasn't that it? Something like that. But when Thursby backed down, you took the gun and did the job yourself. Oh, Sam, sweetheart, from the very first instant I saw you, I knew. You angel. 
Well, if you get a good break, you'll be out of San Quentin in 20 years, and you can come back to me then. I hope they don't hang you, precious, by that sweet neck. You know deep down in your heart that in spite of anything I've done, I love you. I don't care who loves who. I'm not going to play the sap for you. I won't walk in Thursby's, and I don't know how many others' footsteps. You killed my partner, and you're going over for it. Why must you do this to me, Sam? Surely your partner wasn't as much to you as... Listen, listen to me. This won't do any good. You'll never understand me, but I'll try once and then give it up. Listen. When a man's partner is killed, he's supposed to do something about it. And it happens we're in the detective business. Well, when one of your organization gets killed, it's bad business to let the killer get away with it. Bad all around. Bad for every detective everywhere. You can't send me to the... Sam, you can't. You love me. You love me. Uh, Maybe I do. What of it? Maybe next month I won't. I've been through it before. I'll have some rotten nights after I've sent you over, but that'll pass. I want you, sure, but I won't take you at the price because of all... Because all of me wants to, regardless of consequences. Because you counted on that with me the same as you counted on that with all the others. Sam, darling, kiss me, kiss me. Sure. Sure, baby. What are you doing? Who are you calling? The cops, baby. The cops to come and take you away. as thrilling as tracking down some fabulous treasure is the search for the unknown which goes on unceasingly in the Squibb Research Laboratories. For that is the search that leads to the discovery of new life-saving drugs and new life-saving uses for existing drugs. And streptomycin is one of the newest products of this searching. In the new field of medicine opened up by penicillin, streptomycin, still in the testing stages, shows great promise against additional enemies of mankind. That is why Squibb scientists are working night and day to unlock the secrets of streptomycin, to improve the strain, to find and test all the ways in which it may be used in the conquest of disease. It is this same questing spirit, this refusal to stop anywhere short of perfection, that inspires all endeavors of the House of Squibb. It is one reason why Wherever you come across it in the service of human health, Squibb is a name you can trust. Next Wednesday, another great picture. The House of Squibb will present Academy Awards starring Henry Fonda in Young Mr. Lincoln. Today's performance of the Maltese Falcon was written for radio by Frank Wilson with an original musical score composed and conducted by Leith Stevens. Our producer-director is D. Engelbach. 
Humphrey Bogart is soon to be seen in Warner Brothers' Big Sleep. Mary Astor appeared through the courtesy of Metro-Goldwyn-Mayer, producers of the Technicolor musical Easy to Wed. Sidney Greenstreet is soon to be seen in Warner Brothers' The Verdict. This is Hugh Brundage bidding you good night until next Wednesday at the same time when you're invited to listen again to Academy Awards, presented by the House of Squibb, a name you can trust. This is CBS, the Columbia Broadcasting System. That was a great radio play, wasn't it? But the play is an abridgment of the movie which, itself, leaves out some of the novel. Here is what Wikipedia has to say about the plot as laid out in the original book. The Maltese Falcon is a 1929 detective novel by Dashiell Hammett, originally serialized in the magazine Black Mask beginning with the September 1929 issue. The story has been adapted several times for the cinema. The main character, Sam Spade, appears in this novel only and in three lesser-known short stories, yet is widely cited as the crystallizing figure in the development of the hard-boiled private detective genre. Raymond Chandler's character Philip Marlowe, for instance, was strongly influenced by Hammett's Spade. Spade was a departure from Hammett's nameless detective, the Continental Op. Sam Spade combined several features of previous detectives, most notably his cold detachment, keen eye for detail an unflinching determination to achieve his own justice. The novel contains a considerable amount of homosexual subtext concerning Wilma Cook and Joel Cairo. Cairo is also referred to as the Levantine, all of which was excised, due to production code restraints, from the 1941 film version starring Humphrey Bogart and Mary Astor, the best known of three films between 1931 and 1941 about Hammett's novel. The briefly seen character of Rhea Gutman, who has no backstory, does not appear in either the 1931 or 1941 film. In 1998, the Modern Library ranked the Maltese Falcon 56th on its list of the 100 best English-language novels of the 20th century. The plot Private detectives Sam Spade and Miles Archer are hired by a Miss Wonderly to follow a man, Floyd Thursby, who has allegedly run off with Wonderly's younger sister, Corinne. Spade and Archer take the assignment because the money is good, but Spade implies that the woman looks like trouble. That night, Spade receives a phone call telling him that Archer is dead. When questioned by Sergeant Polos about Archer's activities, Spade says that Archer was tailing Thursby, but refuses to reveal their client's identity. Later that night, Polos and Lieutenant Dundee visit Spade and inquire about his recent whereabouts, and say that Thursby was also killed and that Spade is a suspect. They have no evidence against Spade, but tell him that they will be conducting an investigation into the matter. The next day, Archer's wife Eva, with whom Spade has earlier had an affair, asks Spade if he killed Miles. He tells her to leave, and coolly tells his young secretary Effie Perini, with whom he has a more complicated relationship than either will acknowledge, to remove Spade and Archer on the office door and have it replaced with a simple Samuel Spade. Visiting his client at her hotel, he learns her real name is Bridget O'Shaughnessy, she never had a sister and Thursby was an acquaintance who had betrayed her. Spade tells her that he and Archer never believed her story. Later, Spade is visited by Joel Cairo, who offers Spade $5,000 if he can retrieve a figurine of a blackbird that has recently arrived in San Francisco. Cairo suddenly pulls a gun, 
declaring his intention to search Spade's office, but Spade knocks him unconscious. When O'Shaughnessy contacts Spade, he senses a connection between her and Cairo, and casually mentions that he has spoken to Cairo. O'Shaughnessy becomes nervous, and asks Spade to arrange a meeting with Cairo. Spade agrees. When they meet at Spade's apartment, Cairo says he is ready to pay for the figurine, but O'Shaughnessy says she does not have it. They also refer to a mysterious figure, G, of whom they seem to be scared. As the two begin to argue, Polos and Dundee show up, but Spade refuses to let them in. As they are about to leave, Cairo screams, and they force their way in. Spade says that Cairo and O'Shaughnessy were merely play-acting which the officers seem to accept, but they take Cairo with them to the station. Spade tries to get more information from O'Shaughnessy, who stalls. Spade confronts and instantly dislikes a kid named Wilmer Cook, telling him that his boss, G, will have to deal with Spade. He later receives a call from Casper Gutman, who wishes to meet him. Gutman opens their conversation with whiskey and says he will pay handsomely for the blackbird. Spade bluffs, saying he can get it but wants to know what it is first. Gutman refuses to offer any more information than that it is of unimaginable value. Spade leaves, only to be summoned to visit Gutman again later in the day. Spade disarms Wilmer before this next meeting, where Gutman tells him that the figurine was a gift from the Knights of Malta to the King of Spain, but was lost in transit. It was covered with fine jewels, but acquired a layer of black enamel to conceal its value. Gutman had been looking for it for 17 years. He traced it to Russian General Kimidov, and sent O'Shaughnessy to Constantinople to attempt to buy it. Kimidov, led to suspect its value from Gutman's interest in it, refused to sell. O'Shaughnessy then recruited Cairo, a shady figure who inhabits the Levantine underworld, and the two stole it from Kimidov. They later realized that Kimidov made the theft suspiciously easy, but suspected nothing at the time. O'Shaughnessy, now set on keeping the falcon to herself used the story that she feared a double-cross by Cairo to recruit a new partner, Floyd Thursby, an American gunman who fled the U.S. to avoid going to prison. She and Thursby ditched Cairo by having him arrested for passing a fraudulent check. While he was in jail, they left for Hong Kong. While listening to Gutman's version of this story, Spade realizes that his whiskey has been drugged. Wilmer, described in the book as a tiny-fisted boy is boiling with rage because Spade got the better of him and took his pistols in the hallway and has treated him with contempt throughout. When Spade starts to fall to the floor from the knockout drops Gutman put in his whiskey, Wilmer trips him to send him sprawling. Spade passes out and Wilmer kicks him violently in the temple as he and Gutman depart. After Spade returns to his office, Captain Jacoby of the La Paloma arrives, drops a package on the floor, and then dies. Spade opens the package and finds the falcon. He receives a call from O'Shaughnessy, asking for his help. He stores the item at a bus station luggage counter and mails himself the collection tag. At the dock, the La Paloma is on fire. He goes to the address O'Shaughnessy gave him, and finds a drugged girl, Gutman's daughter Rhea, her stomach scratched by a pin to keep her awake. She gives him information she has been fed but it is a false lead that takes him to Burlingame. When he and O'Shaughnessy, whom he meets outside his apartment building, return to his apartment, Wilmer, Cairo, and Gutman are waiting. Gutman gives Spade $10,000 for the bird. Spade takes the money, but demands details about the murders and, to divide the gang, 
says they will need a fall guy to give the police to take the blame for the murders. Cairo and Gunman eventually agree to give him Wilmer, as he demands since he already has Wilmer's guns which will match the bullets that killed Thursby and Jacoby. Gutman warns Spade not to trust O'Shaughnessy. Spade calls Effie and asks her to pick up the figurine where he stored it, a locker at a bus terminal, and she brings it to Spade's apartment. Spade gives it to Gutman who checks and quickly learns it's a fake. He realizes that Kimadov must have discovered its true value and substituted a copy. Wilmer escapes. Gutman regains his composure, and announces that, although this has been a small setback, he intends to continue his quest for the Falcon. Gutman asks Spade for the $10,000. Spade keeps $1,000 for expenses. Cairo and Gutman leave. Immediately after Cairo and Gutman leave, Spade phones Sergeant Polos telling him that Wilmer killed both Thursby and Captain Jacoby, and that Gutman, the man who gave the orders, is in a hurry to leave San Francisco. Spade uses the impending arrival of the police to confront O'Shaughnessy, whom he realizes is the one who murdered Archer, to admit to and explain why. She says she hired the detectives to scare Thursby. When Thursby refused to be scared away, she took one of his guns, a very distinctive Webley, an English make and approached Archer, who had no suspicions of her, in an alley where he was trailing Thursby and killed him at point-blank range. She left the Webley at the scene to pin the crime on Thursby. When Thursby was killed, she knew that Gutman must be in town, so she came back to Spade for protection. She now begs Spade to protect her from the law. She and Spade have slept together in an earlier episode, and she believes that this has created a bond between them that she can exploit to her advantage. However, Spade refuses. He is a detective. She killed his partner, and turning her into the law has become a matter of honor. Spade points out that O'Shaughnessy, being an attractive woman and a gifted actress, may persuade a prosecutor and jury to let her off with a 20 year sentence, and he tells her he will wait for her. But if she is hanged, he sardonically adds, he will always remember her. She begs him not to turn her in and talks about their love for each other but he replies that he has no choice, as otherwise the police will assume his guilt, which could mean the gallows. When the police arrive, Spade turns over O'Shaughnessy. The police tell Spade that Wilmer was waiting at the hotel and killed Gutman when the latter arrived. Spade is not surprised. Spade continues business as usual, although his secretary Effie Perini, whose woman's intuition had assured him that Miss Wonderly, O'Shaughnessy, was honest and trustworthy, is disappointed to learn that she was simply an unscrupulous adventuress. She tells Spade not to touch her. She knows he was right to do what he did but she tells him she needs some time, presumably to process all that has happened. As the story ends, Perini tells Spade that Eva Archer is waiting for him. Both book and movie are masterpieces in their own right. Depicting the gritty world of Spade, we are left to ponder the gray areas of life. In the black and white of film noir, we have heard how the grid can be communicated even without pictures. In the cinema of the mind. You have been listening to Cinema Caroline. Cinema of the Mind.
You've just listened to an IYR original program. It's your radio, the future of radio.